there are these two young fish swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what the hell is water? Don Hall, and this is the Peculiar Journeys Podcast. Peculiar Journeys is a weekly storytelling podcast designed to see the water that surrounds us. Podcast. This is Don Hall, and this is episode 51 of Peculiar Journeys Millennium Park Stories. Today I'm going to talk about you know, the, one of the things that we had consistently in the park all summer long were giant festivals. We had the House Music Festival, we had Gospel Fest, Blues Fest, um, we had Mariachi Fest, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The festivals were usually during the day and into the evening. Some of them, like Jazz Fest, were like five days long, um, and the festivals were open for everybody. They, you know, there was no gatekeeping of uh, like there were no membership fees like for the Grant Park music festival and sometimes when you invite everybody in the free world out to something and they think it's going to be cool uh, they all show up and uh, that gets a little intense I will tell you just a tad intense now I was warned pretty much from April and May in the first part of June I was warned by everyone that had been there before that Mariachi Fest was a clusterfuck. That Mariachi Fest last year, that last year's Mariachi Fest was so bad, that was so out of control, that at one point, Joe Fernicola, who worked Mariachi Fest that year, last year, actually pulled all of his ushers out of the park because he felt it was dangerous for them because things were so out of control. Um, and uh, everybody, there were some ushers, Tanya McMorris, absolutely refused to work Mariachi Fest. Mariachi, Mariachi Fest just had a crap reputation that it was just one of the hardest. The, the folks backstage for Cobotech were like, oh God, Mariachi Fest. Everybody had this attitude about Mar Mariachi Fest, so I kind of made it my business to first of all ask as many people about why Mariachi Fest had been such a terrible experience. And then, once I understood sort of the why, figure out how I could mitigate that experience so it was not so awful. Mainly for myself. I would love to say it was mostly for everybody else, but no, no, just because I didn't want to have, have to deal with uh, 17 hours of nonsense. So, the first thing I found out was that the organizer of Mariachi Fest was not so much a producer of concerts, but a party giver. He was a thrower of parties, and he viewed Mariachi Fest as his own giant personal party. So he kind of played fast and loose with all the rules in, in terms of Millennium Park and how that worked. Um, so I found out right away, first thing that, that he had done the year before was that there are 4,000 seats in the bowl. Now, as a festival operator, he only gets 500 for his VIP seats. There's only 500 of those 
4,000, he is allowed to sort of mark off as his because the rest of them should be open to the public. And what I discovered, and I look back and then I ask a lot of people, was that he had overpromised to his constituency, to all of the people that wanted to come to Mariachi Fest, he basically promised 7,000 seats in a 4,000 seat bowl. So as people showed up, they had an expectation that there were gonna be those seats and they wanted those seats and they didn't wanna sit in the lawn and there were 3,000 more uh, and, uh, people than there were seats. So it got clogged, people were in the aisles, they were on the sides of ramps. Apparently it just got overrun and just insane. Uh, the second thing I discovered was they brought a lot of alcohol on their own. They were just drunk as a bunch of monkeys. So I knew that wasn't gonna be a problem because Mariachi Fest was one of those 10 events in Millennium Park this past summer where the city said, you can't bring in your own alcohol and we've got our security checkpoints to keep you from bringing in outside alcohol. Of course, and we noticed that at the House Music Fest, if people wanna bring in booze, they're gonna find a way to bring in booze. I mean, all you have to do is see somebody watering down some Pepsi, and you already know, yeah, they figured out how to get in. In House Music Fest, people were literally tossing uh, bottles of booze over the fences to their friends. So if they want to get booze in, they're probably going to get booze in. But the security checkpoint, the idea was that that would at least retard that a little bit, which was good. Um, but really the biggest issue that I had was that this guy um, who was running Mariachi Fest just kind of uh, was just having a party. So I immediately went, all right, so it's really about making sure that he's organized. And if he's not organized, I'm going to have to organize him. So I contacted him a good solid six weeks before Mariachi Fest and said, hi, I'm Don Hall. I'm the front of house manager. Um, uh, as I understand it, you're going to get 500 seats. And I, I basically, in a nice but direct way, said, this is how things are going to work. You know, I said, uh, I will supply uh, wristbands for you. And you need to supply me a list of the people getting the wristbands, on and on and on. And he didn't, he didn't obviously, he didn't uh, get back to me. And then um, I went to the city and I said, has anybody heard from this guy? And they hadn't heard from him. He didn't have a contract signed. It was on the calendar, but he hadn't returned anybody's information. So I kept trying um, and kept trying. Um, then they found out that he didn't even, they had to contact him through his mother. Again, this is just, this is a huge, you know, 20,000 person festival. You gotta be a little more organized than this. That's just not how he operated. Well, they got a hold of him, but he wouldn't answer me. He wouldn't get back to me. And then I noticed, and this is about two weeks out, that he was selling VIP seats to those 4,000 seats which you're not supposed to do, that's out of contract. However, he was doing it, nobody was gonna do anything about it, he'd already sold a bunch. So I went to him directly through the Eventbrite link and emailed directly to the Eventbrite link, hi, I'm Don Hall, I'm the front of house manager. Um, as I understand it, you're not supposed to be selling these tickets, this is not something that you are allowed to do. However, um, you need to get a hold of me immediately or none of these people that have bought tickets are going to have seats because I'm going to be controlling the bowl and I'm going to be controlling the seats and I want to make sure that you and I are on the same page. It would be unfortunate, I wrote, if for some reason we did not connect and your 
constituency that have paid $30 for a, a special seat for Mariachi Fest did not get a special seat. Well, within about five minutes, I got a return email. So they, 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 he knew what was going on. And then he and I connected and we started having our, what I will call our, our contentious negotiations. He absolutely wanted more than 500. Um, he wanted the whole 4,000. I said that wasn't going to happen. Under no circumstances was it going to happen. Now, number one, I didn't have the ushers. I, I didn't have the ushering staff that could handle that. Um, and number two, that was just against the rules. So, you know. So we, we settled on 750 seats. So he got 750 seats. Then I said, well, you're going to have to give me, because I also knew he overpromised the year before. So I said, okay, I'm going to have to have that list. And if I don't have that list, then I'm not going to reserve those seats. And so then they were said, I'm going to do that. He wanted to do his own wristbands. The reason I didn't like that is that means he could give out more wristbands than there were seats, because that's what he had done the year before. So I, we've been, we, we did. We went back and forth, back and forth. As we got closer to the event, it, it occurred to me that there was a fake. I got, you know, I, I got on Facebook, and I noticed that there was a Facebook event that was prior and different information on that than there was on the Millennium Park website. So I started looking at this, and I realized he was, again, over-promising. He was promising different sections, the wrong sections, the different numbers. He, he was giving a lot of misinformation on the Facebook. So I started responding. I thought, you know what, I, this is what I'm going to do. I started responding, no, this is the segment, this is, no, this is how this is going to work. No, you must go to patron services to pick your wristbands up. You know, and I just kept correcting every, mis every misinformation that he put out there, I corrected. At one point, somebody on that thing said, who the hell are you? And I said, check out my Facebook and you could look on there and it said front of house manager Millennium Park and then all of a sudden everybody that was on his event page realized I I was in a position to actually answer their questions so then I got flooded with questions from thousands of people going well can I bring an umbrella well you can bring an umbrella but you can't bring an umbrella that you can stake so big that it stakes into the ground can I bring flags no you cannot bring flags can I bring balloons no and it was all stuff that was written in the Millennium Park thing but it was obvious that he wasn't communicating it to his people and so I was so this was kind of going on and he noticed that I was doing this and so he stopped putting information out because he knew I was going to correct it so we get to the day of and he shows up he wants to run I said no he wants to run everything I said no I've got uh, ushers in the patron services you need to give me all of your uh, wristbands and he had special wristbands which was great um, but he had 1,600 wristbands for his 750 seats. And so what I did was I immediately took the wristbands up. He did not like giving me the wristbands, but I took the wristbands up and I immediately threw out all but 750. There were not going to be any extras and I, and I tossed them in the trash. And I told my ushers, they're tossed in the trash. As soon as you run out of these wristbands, there are no more wristbands to give and they're just going to have to deal with that because I knew I had to keep a certain amount of safety going on in, in this particular thing. Number two, I had at that point, by Blues Fest, I'd figured out how to keep the aisles clear of 
photographers clogging up the aisles, you know, with their cell phones and dancers. And so we had a series of gates. If you go to Millennium Park, you'll notice that a lot of their sort of barriers are just basically bicycle racks. Well, they had a lot of bicycle racks. So I utilized some of those bicycle racks to kind of gatekeep that front section of the seating bowl so that people could enter a certain way but couldn't exit a certain way. And I just kind of, and, and that, that way I utilized my ushers in a way where they didn't have to be too aggressive. And yet things were pretty clear. And that worked pretty well for Blues Fest. It worked for some of the other fests that were going on. So I, I assumed that would work for Mariachi Fest. I will tell you that it did. Well, he didn't like that. The guy that was Ori Caesar did not like that that was how, how, how we were going to do things. And we sat on stage arguing about this. Um, and I finally looked at him and I said, I said, Caesar, I said, I understand that you want things, but we're beyond negotiating on these. This is how it's going to work. Now, you can either let me do my job and do my job the way I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm here to make sure that your VIPs have a VIP experience. Why can't they enter and exit? Why can't they dance in the aisles? And I said, okay, first of all, they can't dance in the aisles because it's against Millennium Park safety violation. It's a safety violation. Second of all, if we allow them to crowd the stage, then your VIPs that are sitting up front aren't looking at a show. They're staring at people's asses. And we want to keep that clear for your VIP so that they genuinely, they paid $30 to sit in an unobstructed seat without having a whole bunch of people standing right in front of them so that they could see the concert. So I, 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 you know, I didn't just tell him, go fuck yourself, do what I say. I tried to explain it to him. He reluctantly, after, I mean, really like 90 minutes of going back and forth and on, on almost every single decision that was made, he tried to find a way around it. I wouldn't let him get around it. There was very little compromise in that. And he finally capitulated because all of a sudden his hundreds of mariachi musicians started showing up. This was a nine hour concert of nothing but mariachi. And so if you're familiar with mariachi, this is trumpet players, drummers, this is uh, guitar players, bass players, uh, dancers, all this kind of stuff. So after all of this setup, my ushers have been briefed. They understand what the rules are. They've got it. It's time for the concert. And I mean, the park fills up in no time. We had 18,000 people in the park ready to watch and listen to nine hours of mariachi music. Now, there were, the people wanted to stake their claim. People were trying to get past my ushers to get good seats. People were saving seats where they may or may not have anybody showing up. That first hour of Mariachi Fest was difficult, and it was difficult for everybody involved. All my ushers were called. The radio was going off constantly with, we have a problem here, we have a problem here, we have a problem here. But once everybody got settled in, once everybody was basically there and the music was going, things calmed down and people under Yes, there were some people that wanted to dance in the aisles. My ushers, if they couldn't take care of it, I did. And I would walk over and I would, you know, and because I was wearing my all black and I had my sunglasses on and I looked like I was security, everybody kind of just did what I said. And I didn't have to be too abrupt. I did have one very interesting experience where, you know, we didn't want people coming up to the edge of the stage with their cell phones to take videos and pictures because they would clog up the aisles doing that. And I had cleared out this on this one guy wasn't going to move and because he was 
he had his cell phone and he was he was filming and he was and he wasn't gonna fucking move. There's nothing he could do. And I thought, I don't I don't want to touch him. That's the thing. I'm I know the rules. I understand, you know, I'm in Chicago and I've seen enough videos to know this is how it works. So I, I, I'm saying to him, he needs to have take a seat. He needs to take a seat. He can't stand in the aisle. He needs to take a seat. He's not moving. So I just put my hand up in front of his phone. And he starts trying to move it, and everywhere he moved his phone, and I wasn't going to let him videotape. I'm just obstructing, and he got pissed. But he's backing up as I'm saying, you need to sit, you need to sit. And he got a little pissed off, and so he suddenly thrusts it in my face. And I realized, oh, we now live in an age where video, you know, filming somebody in public is a weapon. This is a weapon. He is going to try to make me do something or I'm going to say something that then he can make it viral. Look at how abusive this guy is. And I realized instantly, oh, this guy's trying to weaponize this video because I won't let him stand where he's not supposed to stand. So I immediately just put the biggest shit-eating grin I could put on. I said, hi, I'm on video. My name is Don Hall. I'm the front of house manager for Millennium Park. And right now, the individual that's filming me isn't supposed to be standing where he's standing. It is a fire hazard to have people standing where he's standing. And I would like him to sit down in his seat. He is welcome to enjoy the music. He is welcome to videotape the, the concert. But he cannot stand in the aisles. And as I'm saying this, he's backing up and backing up. I'm like, so as soon as he sits down, the video will be over, which is a drag for you because I'm terribly entertaining. And finally he sits down and I go, I move, I move on. Um, later on in the concert, you know, he, he was like, yeah, sorry about that. He was really kind. It was like, you know, and it was a very interesting experience that people try to get away with things. And then ultimately, once you kind of you know, clamp down a little bit without being a dick, everything works out pretty well. At the end, of Mariachi Fest. I will point out one of the things I thought was very interesting because I don't listen to a lot of mariachi music, but I was really looking forward to it because I like mariachi music, is that apparently La Bamba is a very popular mariachi song because every single organization, every group that performed at Mariachi Fest did their version of La Bamba. Which I just thought was hysterical, just because it was like it was like it was the it was like the mariachi version. If it was a polka day of the beer barrel polka, it was just ubiquitous, and I thought that was pretty funny. At the end of the day, everything went off incredibly smoothly. Um, nobody had any problems. The entire event was a hit. They did. They. I got to tell you. They got all of, you know, and there's, it's supposed to end at a certain time. The park closes, most of the concerts end at nine o'clock. They went on quite a bit longer because they had a great big giant finale where everybody that had performed all day long all got up on stage, completely covered hundreds of musicians on that stage, and everybody got to have their moment. And there was no way to stop this giant rolling number they did. And it was about a 25 minute uh, finale. But that wasn't any problem. Everybody had a great time. The audience had a great time. We didn't really have any problems. It was very hot, but we didn't have to call 911 for anybody. No EMS, really. That mean maybe a few overheated people, some dehydrated folks. But overall, it went very well. And at the end of the concert, everything's over. Everybody's packing up. My ushers have now been sent off. They've signed out there. And I'm kind of cleaning up stuff, you know, because I, I usually, once everybody left, I had, my job was to make sure that everybody left. It was really, I, I didn't leave until everybody was done. 
But Caesar comes up to me and he says, I am really sorry uh, that I gave you so much hell, all this whole thing up, but that was the smoothest it's ever gone and I'm, I'm glad that I listened to you. And so that was a nice sort of like thank you. And I, I obviously, uh, I'm not coming back next year, but I did leave copious notes on how to work with Caesar. And hopefully it will stick with him that that's how it works. But Mariachi Fest was insane. Um, not even that it was a problem, it's just that the potential for problems and the, the many hurdles to get over uh, was fascinating. But everybody, all my ushers that worked Mariachi Fest, Mariachi Fest after hearing all of the stories about how horrifying it was were just like, what was the big deal? And I'm really gratified that it wasn't a big deal. It was just really fun and a lot of great music. And that's the podcast for today. That's all I've got to say. I just want to tell you a little bit about Mariachi Fest. that gives you kind of an inside skinny on how those kind of things sometimes work. Um, we'll have some more uh, ushers next week. And I will like, to, as I always say at the end, if you, if you enjoy Peculiar Journeys and you're enjoying this specific season, please share it with somebody on your blog or on your social media. Let people know that uh, this exists and that you like it and it's fun to listen to. Um, if you really, really like it, then go on, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and review the show. Say a few nice words or a few not so nice words, whatever, give me a star rating. And if you are a super fan of Peculiar Journeys or any of my writing or any of the other podcasts that I work on, please go to patreon.com slash peculiarjourneys and become a VIP patron by throwing me a few bucks a month. I really appreciate it. And that's the podcast. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening. And you'll hear from me next week. Peculiar Journeys is a weekly storytelling podcast produced, voiced, and edited by myself in my apartment above a bar in Wicker Park, Chicago. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or catch it on SoundCloud, or download it from DonHallChicago.com. You can assist Peculiar Journeys financially, if you can, by becoming a VIP patron on www.patreon.com slash peculiarjourneys. Peculiar Journeys.